Well, good morning, everyone. This morning, I have the wonderful privilege of sharing the Word of God, and it is very humbling because um, if you want to teach the Word of God, you must know that you'll be challenged by the Word of God. And so this morning, I come and I stand here challenged by the Word of God, but I, on the back of a few weeks of the Advantage series, how many of you, other than me, have been exceptionally overawed by the love of a heavenly Father? And that whilst we're talking on the Holy Spirit, we're actually starting to grasp and grapple and understand that it's because of the love of a heavenly Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, that fellowship and knowing Jesus Christ, that we have a fullness in our walk with Jesus. And I think that is wonderful. I think it's so powerful. And that this journey is one that we go on step by step, day by day. If you have your Bible, John 16, verse 7. Get a highlighter out. If you don't have a highlighter, use your wife's lipstick. John 16, it says, It is to your advantage that I, and this is Jesus speaking, that I go away as your helper will come. This morning, you need to know that your helper has not just come, but that he is here with you and he's with you every single day. Over the last few weeks, we've learned a couple of things. We've learned firstly that the Holy Spirit is with us. And uh, Mish shared a great word on a three-legged race. Um, what she didn't say is that if you ever do a three-legged race with Michelle, she's in charge, okay? <laughs> but our three-legged race with the Holy Spirit is that we are so entwined with him that we know that we stay in step with him, step by step. We're in, we're in line with the Holy Spirit so that he is with us. The second thing is that he is within us. The Holy Spirit is actually inside of us each and every day. Mark Simpson then shared on the fact that he is upon us. In Galatians 5.22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did I miss any? Good. And that that isn't actually about us trying to do those things. It's not about us trying to do love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's about a heart issue of us being so in love with the Father heart of God and entwined with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that it actually becomes an overflow of who we are. So it's much more a heart issue than it is a behavioral issue. I mean, so often, how many of us as parents wanna um, help our children because of behavioral issues and we don't get to the heart issue that is behind that behavior? And so the encouragement was for us to have a heart connection with the Father heart of God. And Mark Simpson gave a great example of a glove. And the glove was like this, is that, as we wear the Holy Spirit, as He's in us, and as He moves, we move. And I thought that was such a wonderful thing, is that as I go through my day each and every day and I start to move, and I start to sense the Spirit of God, we're moving together, we're in unison. And as I trust Him, He's saying, well, Pete, why don't you go there? Pete, why don't you do this? Pete, why don't you help that person? Why don't you speak to that person? Do we miss it? Absolutely. Does it mean we don't trust Him? Absolutely not. We need to trust the Holy Spirit and lean on His leading and guiding. And then last week, Pierre spoke to us about the power and the form of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you can see, there's a small little arrow here. I don't know if you remember last week, but Pierre was speaking about if we lean too much onto either side of it, if we lean in too much into the, the power or too much into the form, what happens is we go off on a tangent. And when we go on a tangent, people get hurt. But when we when we balance it and we trust and we live according to the Holy Spirit, we can run the race set out in front of us knowing that we're fulfilling what God has got for us. 
And I thought that was wonderful for me, was just saying that, cool, Lord, sometimes I trust too much in the power, sometimes too much in the form, but when I know and I trust you for who you are, I can run that race set before me. So that's the frame that we, we're at today. And so before we start, won't we uh, open up for me in a word of prayer. Lord God, I thank you that as we minister your word this morning, won't it come out, Lord God, the way that you want it to come out? And Lord, won't it achieve everything that you need it to achieve? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I get to share with you this morning on the daily living with the Holy Spirit. How do we take this thing called the Holy Spirit into our each and every day? And how do we, how do we make it as a better dad, as a better husband, as a better worker, as a better employer, as a better teacher with the Holy Spirit? Because you know, he actually wants to do that for us. That he says he's our helper. And what does a helper do? A helper helps. It's profound, isn't it? He helps us doing what we need to do and that he is with us. Isn't there, there's no greater joy as a parent when your child, without you asking, helps you with the dishes or helps you clean the table or makes his bed and you don't have to nag and ask and plead. But when it gets done, isn't there a joy? And that's what the Holy Spirit is saying, saying, walk alongside me, I'm gonna help you fulfill all that you need to fulfill in today. I'm gonna help you with that conversation that you think is gonna be tricky, but with my guidance, it'll be God-ordained. I'm gonna help you in each and every step of the day. Now, one of my favorite verses comes out of Romans 12, verses one and two in the message. It says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you, is to take your everyday, your ordinary life, you're going about life, you're waking, you're sleeping, you're going to work, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has for you do has for you is the very best thing you can do for him. In Romans 12, it says, what I want you to do is every day, take all that you are and say, God, everything I had on my, my agenda for today, won't you just recheck it, reshuffle it, reorder it, because I want you to do what you wanna do today, and I wanna be part of what you wanna do today. And then he can do exceedingly abundantly more with our every day than we could ever think, ask, or imagine. Sometimes I think we get so worked up by the big thing that God wants us to do that we forget about the everyday little things he wants us to do which make the big things he wants us to do. We get so consumed by the mountain of, of, of mission that we have in our lives that like, oh Lord, you want us to do these big things, change the world, go to Bremen. But actually what he's asking us to do is to tend to the familiar fields of our lives. The everyday being a dad, the everyday being a husband, the everyday being a, 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 a person who loves Jesus, the everyday praying, the everyday reading our Bibles, because when we tend to that familiar, what does it do? It builds up our faith and our muscle. And the next thing we know, we're on the mountains of our mission by just doing the familiar of every day with Jesus by our side. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Is he wants to take our everyday ordinary lives and say, place them before me and say, let the Holy Spirit breathe into it and do something amazing with it. So if you have your Bible, Acts chapter one. Let me give you a bit of context. The book of Acts is an amazing, amazing book about the start of the, of the church, of the New Testament church. And most theologians believe that Luke wrote the book of Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they were people who were with Jesus in his ministry day by day. Luke was a physician. Do we have any phys physicians in the house? Physicians are usually quite clever people. Um, we have none here. It's fine. 
Ricky, your bone thing, no one would have known any difference, so it's fine, you know. But Luke had a personal relationship with the person of Jesus. He, he walked around with him. And at the end of Luke, in, in the, the final chapters of Luke, he talks about the ascension of when Jesus went up to heaven. Now, can you put yourself in Luke's shoes for just, just one second and think? You've spent the last three years of your life following someone who is your hero, someone that is perfect, someone that, that does everything absolutely by the Father's talking. He does it. And you sit there and you go, wow, this guy's amazing. He's my mentor. He is my, he's everything. And then he writes down in the Bible for all of eternity to know that it says, and it's better that I go because I leave someone else with you, your helper. This is someone that you love so dearly. And he's saying, it's better that I go. I don't think I as Luke could comprehend that, that this, the hero of mine is gonna leave so that I can get something even better to do. And so Acts chapter one, verse one is kind of where we start off. And it says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to, de- to teach until the day when he was taken up after, his, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Stop. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is a recount of all Jesus would do and would teach. So there's the kind of the historical bits. Let's go right back to the beginning. Genesis, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit create the world. The whole of the Old Testament waits for Jesus to rock up. Jesus rocks up and does incredible things, doing and teaching the will of the Father. Acts, he says, Everything that I have done and taught, guess what? It's over to you guys. It's over to you guys. Acts 1 verse 1. If, if you didn't get a wake up, you should have a wake up now. Okay. Feed 5,000. It's over to you guys. Raise people from the dead. It's over to you guys. Preach the good news. It's over to you guys. But I'm not going to leave it just by the stories and the parables that you see and the history that recounts this so accurately I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna leave someone with you who's gonna empower you to do it each and every day. So let's continue. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and the cloud took him out from their sight. From Jerusalem to Dideria, to Samaria, to Bremen, to the end of the earth. God is asking us this moment, from where you are to where you go, take me with you. I love how simple it is, actually. The first thing he says is he says, everything I've done and taught, so i.e., I've shown you how to do it. Now, won't you trust me? Then won't you apply it to your life from where you are to where you're gonna go. And then they carry on, and we carry on in verse 10. 
Oh no, sorry, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they'd entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of, and Judas the son of James. All of these were with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and all of his, of all of his brothers. I want to say to you, it's a funny passage of scripture, but why does he list every single one of the apostles? I want to say to you because Jesus and the Holy Spirit know you by name. They know you by name, and he called them by name. Peter was the first one he chose there. If you go back a couple of chapters in your Bible, the time before this where they speak about Peter, Peter's denying Christ not once, not twice, but three times before his, his crucifixion. Peter denies Christ. This time, you hear him call him by name. If you turn one page over in your Bible to the book of Acts 2, Peter stands up and delivers the first sermon to the new church and it recounts and it says that 3,000 people were brought to know the, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is a man who was impulsive. This is a man who was hot-headed, who doubted, and who faltered. But he got a revelation of the Holy Spirit and he got filled with the Holy Spirit and the next thing, he stands up and shares his faith and 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ. This morning, you might falter on your faith. You might be like Peter, but he's asking you this morning, come and know the Holy Spirit so that you can respond in such a way that people's lives are changed. Let me pick on one or two others. James, he was called a son of thunder. How cool is that, huh? Imagine you walked into the room, Mark, hey, son of thunder. <laughs> It'd be pretty cool. Sorry, I had a theme Thomas song in my mind as well for a second there. But James was, it says in the Bible, he was ambitious. And he even asked Jesus, Jesus, can I have a place of honor in your kingdom? That's pretty brash. Jesus, can I sit next to you when you go to heaven? I, 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 you and me, we're Chinas. Can I sit next to you? But at the same time, this man, James, not only did he ask Jesus to sit next to him, he then was brave enough to share Jesus to the modern world. And that he was willing to then lay down his life for the sake of the kingdom. So yes, you might ask big, tough questions. That's okay. God doesn't mind a couple of tough questions, but he does ask you for a heart that follows him and trusts him. And James shows us that. John. John is the one that Jesus says in the Bible that he loved him. And he was loving. He was so loving, in fact, that he would take on Jesus' mom after Jesus had left. And he showed us the act of service and the fact that the Holy Spirit can empower us so much to serve. And I think that's wonderful. What about Matthew, the tax collector? Matthew had a, had a profession that was, there's nothing wrong with collecting tax. Sars, did you hear me? Um, but he, he got about his business in the wrong way. And God convicted his heart. And he laid down that profession of his and he followed Jesus with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength. And then he, he was the one to write much of the Bible. Thomas, many of us know Thomas for the man who doubted. I don't know if, I, if Jesus did indeed die. Can, can you show me his scars? Can you show me the wounds? Was what we know Thomas for. But yet what we don't know Thomas for is that he then reached out to many after that moment and he was a man of great courage. And so this morning, the Holy Spirit knows you by name. 
And he knows all of your shortcomings, more than your wife. He knows your shortcomings. And yet he's still asking you to trust him and to love him. And through his Holy Spirit, he will do great and wonderful things through your life if you will lay it down for him and for his kingdom. The second thing I want to show you is that we can do great and mighty exploits of faith. So Thursday morning, I woke up at six o'clock, actually a little bit earlier, and I joined a friend who is a far better athlete than I am. And he dragged me up that mountain, and it was great fun. But I want to say to you is that, let me tell you a very quick story about a guy called Jonathan. A few years ago, I was running a race called the Comrades Marathon, and I had two supporters. I had one called Kate and one called Jono. And Kate is my wife, Jono is my brother. And at the end of a very, very long day, Jono said to me, two years' time, I'm with you. We're doing this together, two years' time. Now, at that point, Jono was indulging in the good things of life. Um, and that week, he started to try and run. Now, he couldn't run. At that point, he could walk to the end of his road. And he was out of breath. And that became two roads, became a block, became a, a jog, became a run, became something more. Two years later, we were standing in Maritzburg listening to the South African National Anthem at the start of the Comrades Marathon. It didn't matter at that moment whether he finished that race or he didn't finish that race because he'd got there. And that was a mountain in his life. It was this huge, unattainable goal of 90 kilometers. And now many of you are standing here spiritually and saying, Lord, how do I achieve the 90 kilometer spiritual race that you set out for me? It was the morning training runs. It was the fact that he woke up when no one else knew that he was awake and he would go on the run. It's the person who encouraged him to get out of bed and say, listen, it's raining, but we're going running today. It's the fact that he had to go to bed early, so he had to wake up early. He had to eat the right things. And you know what? He did it. We finished. Step for step. It was an extremely long day. We wanted to give up lots of times, but he did it. And the funny thing is that throughout the whole journey, his passion for something grew and grew and grew. In the book of Ephesians, if you've got it, your Bible with you, Ephesians 3, I'll help you. It goes, God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So Ephesians, the second one. Ephesians 3, verses 14. It says the following. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Holy Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all of the generations forever and ever. Amen. It's funny. That running of the race started with a thing called a trigger habit. A trigger habit is that thing that triggers a whole bunch of other good habits. And so the choice to run was his trigger habit. But what was the benefit of it was his diet had to improve. His sleeping patterns had to improve. And funny thing is the benefits was he got into shape. He started to eat well. He started to be able to have dinner with his wife at a, at a normal time. 
He stopped doing emails late in the evening. Now, my brother's not a supreme athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but he loves it. He's made friends out of it. They've got running groups. And I look at that, and I look at that, and I, I then think spiritually. On Thursday morning, we ran up to the top of the mountain. You don't get to the top of the mountain without a couple of training runs. Or you do, but it'll take you an extremely long time. And you'll be sitting quite uncomfortably today, and with deep, you'll smell like deep heat, because all your muscles will need rubbing. But as you do this, as you go on those training runs, those spiritual training runs, day by day, you enjoy them more and more and more because there's more to talk about because you're getting stronger. You're not complaining about the pain of it every day. You start to say, oh, Claude, you know what God told me this morning? I, I was out with him this morning and we had this amazing encounter and I saw the sunrise with God. It was amazing. You should join me. And Claude goes, I should join him. That would be amazing. And I go, Andre, Andre this morning I, I ran up the mountain and we saw this bird and it was, it was incredible. And, and God told me something about it. And Henry and is inspired. And then we say, listen, Shauna, won't you come with me and do a race? No, Pete, I can't. I, I can't. It's, it's going to be hard. It's, 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 it's two and a half Ks. And I say, no, Shauna, you can make it. <laughs> and he goes, no, Shauna, Pete, I can't. I said, listen, I'm going to join you. I'll phone you tomorrow. I'm meeting you at your house. We're going to be there. And through all of this, spiritually, what are we doing, guys? We're encouraging one another up in the goodness of God and the plans he has for our lives. And by doing that, we're getting more and more empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we're enjoying it more and more and more, and we're getting fitter and stronger. And the next thing we know, we're watching the sunrise from the top of a mountain, having a cup of coffee, and praying over a church service for a Sunday, and thinking, God, you are so good. And on that day, did I need it more than ever? I did. Because that day, we, we, we'd heard Mission got hold of me in the, early in the morning, and we sat there, and we prayed for this school for Thursday morning. And I think, God, how, how amazing is you? And if I look at that book, if I look at that scripture out of Ephesians, it says that we would be rooted and grounded in love. So our first thing is to be rooted and grounded in the love of God the Father. It then says that we would be strengthened, that we would be strengthened. So as we get rooted and grounded in love, we start to, our bones get strengthened and we get stronger. And then it says that we would know and understand. And so it transcends from just being this, this sense of love and this grounding and this rooting and this strengthening to an understanding, a cognitive understanding of how good and how amazing our Father God is and how the Holy Spirit empowers and equips our mind and that as we go into situations, He recalls things to our attention that we didn't even know that, that we had in us because that's the Holy Spirit working through us. And then it says that we would do amazing things. So before you hit the mountain of faith or the mountain of mission, the, the fields of familiar are building up that muscle within you to hit the great things that God has got for you. It says then finally that it would do it for all the generations to come. And so the Holy Spirit is not just interested in your mission or your generations to come. He's interested in every part of your life, the fields of the familiar, I like to call them. The fact that every day as you put him first, as you spend time in his word, as you, as you trust him for everything that you need to do, what happens? He starts to build you up more and more and more. And so to take the hill of faith, what do we have to do? We have to understand that we're loved by an intimate, personal God, somebody who knows us by name, and that, that we need to know the person of love, which is God the Father. The second is that we need to understand that we have an example in the Word of God called Jesus Christ. 
that he lived a perfect life, that he came out of heaven so that we could have a relationship with the Father. And thirdly, we need to accept that we have a thing called the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that it is within us, it's with us, it's upon us, it gives us power and form, but it's also part of our daily lives. And that as we bring it more and more into our daily lives, we get stronger and stronger and stronger into the faith. And so this morning I wanna leave you with, with three challenges. For those of you who don't know, this is a trail running bag. And inside of it, you put all your essentials. So you've got a bit of water for hydration. You've got a, a whistle in case you get stuck. You've got a compass because GPS on your phone doesn't always work. You've got a space blanket to keep you warm. You've got some food if you're hungry. And hopefully take your cell phone to, to call your wife to pick you up uh, where, you, where, you, where you ended. But this morning... Our daily race of life is the following. In the book of Acts, Jesus said, why don't you go and teach? The first part is we need to make a choice. So step in, make the choice. This morning, the choice is all of us. We've all got a choice. You've got the choice to respond to what God is asking you to do. Not me to do, you to do. But the first part is to step in and say, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'm not ready, I don't have it all together, but I'm gonna do it. Did the apostles know what God had, was gonna ask them to do in, in a few days' time? They had no idea, but he said, go back to Jerusalem and set yourself aside and pray. And so they did. So the first part is they stepped in. The second part is they stepped up. They stepped up and they said, God, you've asked me to do something, you've asked me to go and pray, you've asked me to go and set myself aside. And so they stepped up to the call of God in their lives. Did they have to do anything yet? No, they didn't. But they stepped up and they, they committed themselves to prayer and to fasting. And it said that they spent days in that room in one accord praying with one another. And that's them stepping up. It's them getting that exercise, that spiritual exercise to make them stronger. That stepping up of saying, we're gonna pray. We're gonna trust God. We're gonna commit to do this together. And then the third thing they did was they, they stepped out. It's all very well having all the gear. You go, all the gear and no idea. But when we have the gear and we've made that conscious decision and we know that the Lord is with us, as we step out, what does God do? In the book of Acts, what did he do for Peter? 3,000 souls came to know Jesus. The early church was birthed because his apostles made the decision in their hearts. Were they perfect people? Absolutely not. You saw this morning, they've all got their falters and their failings but they made the decision, they stepped in, they stepped up, and they stepped out. And the Holy Spirit is there to empower us to be his witnesses. In Galatians 5, it says, stay in step with the Spirit of God. And this morning, our encouragement is to stay in step with the Spirit of God. Our races don't look the same. They don't. Not all of us are in Bremen right now, but you're here in Somerset West. And you and your family for a very specific reason. And you have the kids God gave you. And the wife God gave you. And the career God gave you. And the people in your life that God gave you. Step in. Step up. And step out. And make a difference in that world. Because you know what? You don't do it alone. You do it with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that is within you.